that particular passage and a, a parallel passage which we'll just make a passing reference to. As you're doing that, just one or two announcements. It's really great to be part of all that God's doing. I was just saying to somebody this morning, that the great thing about the big idea is that it's not just, uh, thank God for this intense weekend, but actually it just fuels lots of other things that are taking place. Right. And um, just to say to the kids that there's no kids this morning, but just stay patient with us. It's not going to be too long. And then you'll be able to run all that energy off a little bit later on on the field. But um, it really is it's great to be part of that and to see all that God is doing uh, in an amazing way. Just also, as you, as you pray this week, I'd ask you to uh, particularly pray because um, Sean and me are, are off to Manchester tomorrow afternoon and we'll be there till Thursday because it's the... Uh, Assemblies of God, the network, national network of churches that we belong to, is annual conference this week. There's around about 800 leaders. Uh, they're going to be meeting in the great new uh, centre, audacious church centre, right in the heart of uh, the city of Manchester. And uh, thank you for those that have prayed uh, for that journey, because uh, everywhere I go, I, I, I spill out Arena Church. And just a year ago, this particular week, uh, I walked out of the, uh, the conference being... Uh, uh, having the privilege of being sort of elected as the leader of Central Area, there was just me, wah, and 140 expressions of the Sammies of God in that 10 counties that make up the heart of our nation. But now we've got a great team, and, uh, and uh, we've done some great things, and uh, we've put some days on where guys can come at a fantastic conference in Coventry, and we've personally connected with over 100 leaders individually over that time. And, uh, and uh, that's been part of... My journey, as well as, of course, having the privilege of continuing to minister alongside Christian here in Arena Church. It's all been done on 20 hours a week, as you can see, or just working on a Sunday. And, you know, it's been a, it's been a sort of great ride and uh, usually challenging on times. But I thank you for those that have prayed. I just encourage you to pray this week in, in our prayer and fasting week that God would bless us amazingly. We want to see our nation turned again for Jesus, don't we, friends? It's broken. And there's only Jesus by his spirit that can put our nation back together, and he really wants to. So Luke chapter 5, and this morning I'm under instructions to keep the message short. Okay, so will that do? All right, so I'm going to preach like this for the... I've got it, I've got it. So I'm going to be short. Uh, And to save time, I'm not going to read uh, the 11 verses of Luke chapter 5, but some of you know them well, because this morning culminates in our series called Big. A few weeks ago, in the build-up to the Big Idea Weekend, we began to talk about big life. Something come that you might have life, and life in all of its fullness. Something of a taste of the age that is to come. Superabundant, eternal life. Christian reminded us that we live in a big world, and that we need to reach out to it. Leone reminded us last week that the big idea is the idea of Jesus. The, the big idea is hundreds of years old. It's to be salt and light in a city on a hill that cannot be hit. And this morning, I want to bring to a, a conclusion this, this uh, series on this great special weekend by talking for a few moments about a big catch. A big catch. You see, because I think that God wants churches to position themselves for a big catch. Here's the truth, friends. Most of them don't. Most churches aren't ready for a big catch. But here in Luke chapter 5, and forgive me for referring again to my trip to Jerusalem in January, but I went on the Sea of Galilee. Whoa! I went on the Sea of Galilee on a boat. And here we are, Jesus is on the Sea of Galilee, Lake Genesaret, its other name. And uh, the disciples have been toiling all night and caught nothing. 
And Jesus had been ministering and teaching and he puts himself on a boat. And the carpenter says to the fisherman, if you let the nets down, guys, you're going to get a great catch. You could feel them bristling. Who does he think he is? We've toiled all night and caught nothing. And yet Jesus is telling us to let down the nets and we'll get a great catch. It's interesting, friends, that there's something about Jesus and Peter and boats and fish that comes again in John 21. We're not going to read it this morning, but I encourage you to read it this morning. This particular passage is before the resurrection. John 21 is afterwards. This passage speaks about the calling of the disciples to Jesus. The one in John 21 speaks about their commissioning to go into all the world, even though they failed, even though they'd messed up, even though they couldn't pray for an hour, even though they denied Jesus. Here he comes to them again and has breakfast with them and read the conversation, the moving conversation that Jesus has with Peter. He says, go again, son. You can reach the world. I'm with you. Friends, however we've got it wrong at times, God is looking for people that he can take hold of and use in an amazing way. So there were differences, but there were great similarities as well. And the disciples came to a place of responding to what God had told them to do. I believe, friends, today that we live in a day for such a time as this, where Arena Church, if we'll feel the heart of God, if we'll see the big idea propelling us into all that he's increasingly wanting us to be if we'll be a church of word and works if we'll be a church that worships God and continues to reach out to people if we'll continue to live with this divine mandate and balance then actually we can see an amazing catch you see I find that as I listen to churches and if I can say this respectfully as I listen to church leaders lots of them talk themselves out of any sense of expectancy of growth They really do. One of the things they'll say is, well, are we going to cope with new believers? I mean, what would happen if lots of new people came to our church? We won't be able to cope. We won't be able to disciple them. We won't be able to deal with the needs. It would affect the equilibrium of the church. We'd be feeling overwhelmed. God says, okay, I'll look somewhere else. I'll look somewhere else for a church that stops, keep asking those negative questions. You see, because that sort of church, if it allows that sort of attitude continually to ingrain itself within the church, stops even casting bait. Because if you don't want any fish, you don't put any bait in the river or the sea. They stop throwing it out there. They live with no expectancy. They have no desire. And they get the desire of their heart. There is no catch. And I want to say very sensitively today, friends, very carefully, Believe me, I've related to churches across all the denominations, all the ministry life. I have huge respect. If I can say it with some sense of humility this morning, we didn't have the bishop in last week just because he fancied coming. He came out of relationship. He came because he loves us, loves this church, loves the Sabbaths of God, loves the people in it. So I have a huge respect, but the reality is, friends, there are churches looking around today and they realize that actually there's been nobody safe for 20 years. I can't remember the last time they had a baptism. And uh, there's a bit of a sort of desperation around as to where are we going to go into the future. I want to suggest it might already be too late. You see, because we have to continually keep our eye on the ball. And here were people eventually, and I'll come to it in a moment, that were ready to respond to what Jesus said. Let me talk about growth for a moment. In Acts chapter 1, we read that there were 120 people in the upper room to the upper room as well 
Amazing words for you know. And uh, where the where the church started, and uh, 120 people. But by the time that Peter had stood up with the eleven and preached in Acts chapter two, there were three thousand one hundred and twenty in the church. And by the time we get to Acts chapter six, written by a doctor, somebody that liked figures, he stopped counting. He just talked about multitudes. And Bible commentators tell us, friends that it was perhaps within a fairly short space of time that there were 20,000 believers in Jerusalem that had responded to the message of the gospel, that had realized that Jesus didn't stay dead, but was gloriously alive and found a changed life. 120 to 20,000 pretty quickly. How did they cope? I've got the answer. They simply implemented Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to teaching, to fellowship, to breaking a bread of prayer. It was simple, and it worked. And out of that came a grace-filled community that looked after each other's needs, that helped one another, that was passionate about doing life together, and God added to the church. I want to suggest nothing's changed. See, because I think the language around our church shouldn't be, well, how are we going to cope if all these people come in? We'll cope. And how are we going to deal with it? And how are we going to disciple them? Friends, there'll be a grace upon us. There's a grace upon every church that positions itself for the great catch. And how do we do it? Well, Luke chapter 5, I think, tells us. Because as Jesus administered and, and, uh, and then gave the call to the people, they said, we've taught all night and caught nothing. And it may be that in your kids' church ministry, in your youth ministry, it may be as you've sought to reach out to people and share the gospel. It may be sometimes, even as a Christian leader, that sometimes feels that we're walking up the hill rather than down it in terms of the moral climate of our nation. We may feel sometimes that we've toiled all night. And whilst we've not caught nothing, we've not caught as much as we'd like to. And I think God's encouraging churches all over the place to believe, friends, not with hype, not with triumphalism, but with a real spirit of faith to position and believe in this day that God can do something that is way beyond our imagination. You've heard Christian quote that verse from Corinthians this morning, where no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind conceived what God has prepared for those that believe in him. In other words, God wants to do something beyond us. And here's what we need to be. Number one, we need to be overcomers. Jesus said, put the net into the deep water and let the nets down for a catch. We need to be overcomers. See, because we need to overcome doubt. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we need to overcome reason. We need to overcome skepticism. We need to overcome cynicism. We need to overcome unbelief. We need to overcome all those things that ferment in our hearts that are quickly telling Jesus it can't happen. We need to stop quoting what it's been like. We need to say, oh, well, it's where we live. We need to stop saying those things and believe that God can do something that is way beyond us. We need to be overcomers. We need to push those things aside, friends, and look to God. Secondly, we need to be obeyers. We've worked all hard, and, uh, hard all night and caught nothing, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. I was reading Proverbs this week in the Arena Devotional. And those famous verses in verses 5 and 6 of Proverbs, it says, In all your ways acknowledge him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. 
In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. One translation that I read this week says that in all your ways submit to him. Not just acknowledging him, but submit to him. Lord, we've toiled all all night and, and caught nothing. But because you say so, I will. The fisherman receiving advice from the carpenter. The, the person, you ever work with tradesmen when another tradesman is telling to tell, tell the specialist tradesman how to do the job? Oof. It's not a pleasant sight. When, when the plumber's trying to tell the, the sparky how to sort of fit the wiring, Oof. it's my job. And the fisherman knew how to fish, but they caught nothing. And they recognized there was something more. And this morning, friends, that's what has to resent fermenting our hearts. Because you say so, I will. Because you say so, I will. We need to be obeyers. If you like, this is the this is the tipping point. This is the pivot. This is the cost. This is the cost. You see, because friends, if we want a big catch, it's going to be costly to us. It's going to bring us to a place where we submit our lives to Jesus. Because you say so, I will. It doesn't seem to make sense. We wish the advice had come from somebody else. It means that we're going to have to put ourselves out there. And, and uh, all of those sorts of things. But I want to encourage us as a church this morning for us to stop second-guessing Jesus. Because he knows what he's doing. And he says, I will build my church. It's one of the three unconditional promises of the New Testament. He's going to build it. 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 He's just looking for people he can find all over the world in unlikely situations who he can build it through. And friends, if he can't build it through arena, he's going to find a group of people somewhere that he's going to build it through. And they're going to be people that say, because you say so, I will. Because you say so, I will. That is lordship. That is submission. That is the journey of discipleship. That is responding our hearts to God. And I want to say, friends, with a sense of real commitment this morning, that we're determined by the grace of God to continually place ourselves in our lives where Jesus can say whatever he wants to say to Arena Church. And the answer is yes. Overcomers, obey us, and finally operators, because verse 6 says, when, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. Someone says that we only believe what we're prepared to act upon. And friends, we can have a million Bible studies and you know, I love Bible studies. I love doing them. I love getting them ready. I love delivering them. But we can have all sorts of Bible teaching. You can access the finest Bible teaching in the world at the press of a button today. You can listen to Brian Houston. You can listen to Frank Damasio. You can listen to Rick Warren. You can listen to the great preachers of the world today through, through, through electronic means. But friends, if you're just listening and listening and listening and listening and listening, all you're going to do is get bloated. And nothing's going to happen. You see, what happens is it's when we respond to the word. As we did in James in the 242 series in the, in the early part of the year, that we don't want, only want to be do, uh, hearers of the word, but we want to be doers. When they had lowered the nets, when people do crazy things like big idea, 
when people stretch themselves, when they get a bit deprived of sleep for a season, when they sort of say, I wonder if this is all going to come together, but we're going to do it anyway. When we keep sowing into food bank that costs us hundreds and hundreds of pounds, when we keep putting things out there, when we keep sowing, when we keep doing what Jesus has told us to do, he says that we'll get a great catch of fish. He goes on to say that the catch was so great that other boats, called them partners in one translation, came to them because their boats began to sink. Christian, those families that you're praying for, they're on the way. And the reason they're on the way is because they're seeing the great catch and they're going to come and help. They're not just going to come and receive, they're going to come and help what God is doing. And there are people around this room that have prayed for a move of God for years. There are people that have been passionate about God sending something to our nation that's new and fresh. And friends, in the purpose of God for these days, God's pulling us together with a kindred spirit and heart that says, actually, we can't do it on our own. We don't want to. But with a group of people together, God can pull us together to see something amazing. Thank God for this amazing weekend. Thank God that we've been able to think again of all the big things that God wants to do in our lives. He wants to build big lives, to reach a big world, to express a big idea. But you know the end result of that? With people that will respond to the costly call of saying, because you say so, I will. He wants us to take hold of a big catch. Arena Church, I wonder if we'll position ourselves as a local church to see God do exactly that in our day. Amen.